bow your heads. Dear God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you that all of us can get to come here together and um, bless every one of us with the word that is about to be spoken. And God, I just pray that this will affect our hearts, and uh, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Perfect. We're good, bud. Thank you, sir. This is really loud. Is this, is this louder now? Maybe? Sort of? Hello! How are y'all? Good? Are you ready? I do have something real quick to share. Um, if you are in this room and you don't have a Bible... Uh, I would love for you to, ha- to have one. I've got some more in the back. I've got, if I run out of those in the back, I've got some more in the church. Uh, but, man, we think it's really important for you to have the, the Bible's the Word of God. We believe this is the most important thing I can put in your hands and give to you is this. Uh, so if you do not have one, I would love to give to you one uh, at the end of the service. Just see me. If you're scared to see me because I'm scary or intimi- intimi- intimidating, which I'm sometimes told I am. I don't see why. Probably because of my dashing good looks. Um, it wasn't the time to laugh. That wasn't a joke. Uh, but but uh, you can send your friend up and say, hey, this is for my friend. That happens quite often. So um, one more thing. I'll be intimidating now. Uh, middle schoolers. I know some of you are not used to being in the, this, this setting, the way that we work, and we're a pretty big, big group. But I see quite a few of you for the past few, few weeks. Um, some adults have even had, have moved around and sat beside you. That's a big hint. To, to, to chill, okay? That, that makes sense? Old, old, older youth, with gentleness and respect, you can help those around you if they don't understand how to behave in a setting like this, okay? Deal? I know it's, sometimes it's hard to, to, to sit down and hear a guy um, speak. I can't imagine hearing a guy stutter for, for 35 minutes. I've never really sat through a guy, but y'all always do. Uh, I don't know what that's like, but hey, thanks for hanging with me. Uh, but but uh, we believe, I believe, as we walk through the Word of God, that there's truth that God wants you to hear. And if you are busy with your friend, not, not only can you miss it, but your friend can miss it, and then those around you can miss it because they're distracted as well. So are we good? Yes? Deal? Because I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not, we're not mad yet. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> um, we're in the book of, y'all know what book, book, book we're in? Philippians. Philippians. Philippians was written by? Paul, God, God, okay, Paul, right, Paul did write God, inspired it, that's, that's true. He wrote it to the church of Philippi. Philippi, and where was Paul when he wrote it? In what city? Rome, okay, so, so this is important things to know, the background of this book as we get in to read what this is about. Um, question, what's more important, your actions or your attitude? Hmm... What's more important, actions? If you believe it's actions, stand up. One low, I got two, I got four, five, six. Okay, some people are like, am I going to be alone in this? Okay, so if you believe it's attitude, st- stand up. And some of you have no beliefs at all. Okay, good, sit down. No, and I, I, I believe this, and we're going to talk some about this. I believe they're equally as important. So you're both right. Okay. You know, I think of the parable um, of um, 
the prodigal son. That was it. I was like, come on, I've got it somewhere in my notes. Of where the son gets, uh, he, he just wants his money before his dad dies. He says, give me all the money you're supposed to give me. So the dad does, and then he goes off, and he lives for the world. He spends it all. And he does all these things wrong, and he f- figures out in the end, man, I'm starving to death. I'll go home and beg my dad to forgive me and just take me in and be one of his hired hands. The dad, when he's a long, when the son's a long ways off, says the dad sees him and runs to him and grabs him and says, my son has returned home. And it's a picture of God and, and us. And so we see the son that was, his actions were wrong. And then we see us, there's a son in the story that st- stays home. And he's there doing what a son is supposed to do. And when he sees this son come home and he's getting all this stuff, he's ticked off mad. And you learn in that story that they're, they're both at fault. One had the wrong actions. One had the wrong attitude. Both were wrong. I think we think about actions a lot. I don't think we think about attitude very often. There's a couple scriptures because I think this is, I think God cares greatly about the attitudes that we have about things. Look at this verse. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Just look on the screen. It says this, each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under or under compulsion or being forced. For God loves a cheerful giver. What type of giver? Cheerful, cheerful giver. And Adam, he doesn't want you to be like... That does nothing. Does nothing. God loves a cheerful giver. Attitude with action. Philippians 4, 6. It says this. Do, do, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What is your attitude there? It's with thanks giving, being being thankful. That's an important part. This this is what we've got to have. The the last one is right here on the screen. It says, but in your hearts, it says, honor Christ or revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. You know, we're not, we're not called to jump in somebody's face. Even if they've done something wrong or, or said something mean, we're called to do it with an attitude of gentleness and... Res, res, did y'all see that? Could y'all read it? Right? It was the font too small? Right? Respect, right? Gentleness and... Some of you look, look, look sad. Look, look up here. It's always polite. Just let you know when someone's speak, sp- speaking to look at, at them. I know when I stutter, sometimes you're like... Is he going to finish this word? What word is he saying? You're like making bets. What word is this? I think it's going to be, you know, who's got it? Don't make bets on that. That's mean. Okay, question. Does anyone here have an attitude problem? <laughs> hey, don't point at your friends. Some of you are like, man, I got, I got like six friends that man. Okay, hands down. Attitude. So how are you? Let me just ask because... I won't talk about teenagers in my home and how, how they can be sometimes because that would be wrong for me to say because my kids are perfect. <laughs> um, how are you, teenager, when uh, you have a bad week and you're around your friends? Can you get an attitude around them? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah I think we most of How are you with your, when your parents dare to impose on you and ask you to do your chores. And you don't feel like it because you're in this middle of Fortnite and it's very important. Your life depends on it. Do we ever have an attitude there? Or what about, what about 
um, when you want to go do something fun. And you know the greatest joy in your parents' life is that you will not have fun. And they will steal your fun. And that's the only reason why they say, no, you cannot go with your friends tonight. You're staying here and you're clipping my toenails. (laughs) Right? I know, that's like, oh, my parents aren't that bad. Wow, it's not that bad. You know, this is just a true fact. When I was a teenager, I thought my parents were mean and dumb. Honestly, I did think that. But when I turned 21, my dad took this smart pills. Uh, because then everything he had ever taught me when I turned 21, I looked back on it, all of a sudden made complete sense. And I was like, oh, maybe he was right, you know? And you think you're growing up, independence is part of life, you're trying to it. But how's that attitude with your parents? Is it where it ought to be? We could always ask, if Jesus was in the room, would you say it like that? Would you roll one eye this way and one eye that way? I don't know how y'all do it. It's like, (laughs) So, we're going to stand together because our text tonight is Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 up to verse 11, but we're going to only read to verse 5 right here. We stand uh, just to remind us that we honor the Word of God, and it is the Word of God, and, and this is what will change your life. So, follow along with me. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any com- comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Let's pray and we're going to continue. Dear God, we thank you for your word. God, we just invite you into this place. We need you to move in our lives. God, when we, we hold our lives in our own hands, it, it's such a wreck. Uh, but God, you can, you can make such masterpieces out of our lives. And God, we just ask for you to move in this place. I ask that you touch hearts, that you change lives. Uh, and Lord, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. For in his name, I pray. Amen. Have a seat. Don't miss this. Verse 1. Who is Paul writing to here? The church of Philippi, if they are a church, are they believers or non-believers? We should hope so, right? If they are in the, of the church, they are b- believers in Jesus Christ. And he says, hey, guys, if there's any encouragement in Christ, hey, if G- hey church, if Jesus has changed your life at all, if he's given you comfort, if you have fellowship in his love and fellowship with the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, if Jesus Christ has changed your life, I mean like, not, yeah, yeah, he sort of changed my life. I mean, transformed your life. I don't mean, yeah, I, 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 I believe in him. I don't mean that type of change. Yeah, yeah, sure. Shrug. Sure. I don't mean um, dude, I go to church. I don't mean that type of, of, of believing in them. And I don't mean, I was baptized like eight months ago. I am sealed. I am good. I mean, 
If Jesus Christ, and this is what Paul is saying. Hey, hey guys, if Jesus has changed your life, then this is what you're supposed to be like. If you understand this, that your sin separates you from a holy God, and that sin, your sin that you choose, deserves punishment. I did a few puns in there to make it stronger. Punishment. And you deserved the wrath of God, and you deserved hell because of your choices of sin. But then... The sweetest words you will ever hear, not with these ears, but with these ears right here. You heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that you could not get to God on your own. But God made a way that his son lived a perfect, sinless life. And this gift, you don't deserve it. You couldn't earn it. I should write a song about that. Right? You couldn't, couldn't, couldn't earn it. But this free sacrifice is given, the perfect sacrifice of his son. And it saved you. And it, That's the type of transformational change I'm talking about. Not, yeah, I'm part of that group. I'm good. I go to that. I'm a part of the Mercy Hill Youth Group. Man, we've gotten big, so I've got to be good. We understand that doesn't mean anything. As, <laughs> as wise Yoda says, size matters not, right? That's, that's pretty good. Don't really like my husband. Okay, that was just off the cup. I'll throw that one away. Um, when your life is changed by Christ, I don't know about you, but mine, and I think if it's a real changing of Christ, the world begins to look di- di- different. It's not the same as what it used to look like. Not only does the world look different, but you begin to care a little bit more in different ways. You become much more aware of your sin. There's conviction that also begins to ride you and begins to work on you. God's making you more like Christ. Uh, And you're feeling the conviction of the Spirit. That's the type of change Paul's talking about here. Are you with me still? Yeah? Okay. Okay, you're good. You're good. I'll I'll take a sure. It was better than a no. But a a more pipey sure would be better. I don't know what pipey means. Um. And this is what he says. First of all, reject selfishness, embrace selflessness. Okay, verses 2, 3, and 4, that's what he's saying. Hey, guys, you know this me, me, me? I don't know. I know y'all never are like this. It's not ever a me mentality for you. It's not a Burger King have it your way part of life as you go here or there. But you say, hey, if your life has been changed, reject selfishness, embrace. Embrace selflessness, others first. And then he says this in, in verse 5. Take a look again at verse 5 in your Bible. We've got it on the screen if, if you don't have one. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Some other ver, ver, virgins say, have this attitude, which is also in Christ Jesus. This is the attitude you're supposed to have and then it's, it's going to walk us through verses six seven so 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 think this in you how christ thought about himself that's what it's saying or it's saying let these thoughts about yourself be the same as how christ thought about him, himself and then it tells us how to have this attitude four steps to have an a- 
attitude like Christ. There's just four things we're going to look at right here. Are you with me still? These are, are easy, but they build. So if you don't have the first step, you're not going to make it on the second. It's like stairs. You've got to go up, and you've got to take them one at a time. You can't be like in a race and jump uh, over three and see how quick you can get up. You've got to do that one at a time. They build on each other. The first one is this in verse 6. It says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. Now, who here is Jesus? And the Greek and the way it's written there is... It really says, who, though he was God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Though every part of himself was God, he, he did not count it as, as, as the equality of God, something to be grasped. Now, listen to this part. G- Jesus was God. Stare one, that we need to do the right attitude, respect the greatness of God. We don't respect the greatness of God. If we actually believe God was who he said he was and that God can do and will do what he says he can and will do, I think in the darker places, we would fight through the temptations a lot better than we do. I think when the choices come to do right and honor God or to do wrong, if we really believe God is who he says he is and we respect it, and respect partly means fear. See, y'all should be glad that I'm not God because I would squash everybody. I would just be like, stinched. I mean, people would just poof, flat. And you'd be like, ooh, mm, they messed up. They, they disobeyed God. I would not be a good, uh, a good God. That's why, praise God, I'm not, I'm not God. Respect the greatness of God because God can, if he wanted to, take everybody out and have the right to because of our sinful hearts. But God says, no, that's not my plan. My plan is to give the greatest thing that I have myself and my, my son, and I'm going to give him up to save you. Respect the greatness of God. When, when Jesus came to earth, do you know that he was still 100% God? He was fully God and fully, fully man. Now, when it says he didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped, that de- doesn't mean that he was... T- taking a hold of it, it means that he had, the Greek words, that he actually had had a hold of it and he let go of it. It's not something that he, he couldn't possess. It's something that he did possess and he was choosing to let go of it. In Genesis, if you look, you see that God was not alone when he created the world. In Colossians, it talks about that through Christ, all things were made. All things were made through Christ. So he is... He, he is God. And if Jesus comes to earth and says, I'm not going to count equality with God something to be grasped, how dare we? How dare we assume that we can count equality with God something to be grasped? Oh, I don't ever do that. I think God's great. Every time we think my way's better than God's way, we're taking God and we're putting him here and we're raising ourselves up. Respect the greatness of God. First point, easy. Um, you know, I, I love to sing. I love songs. There's a song that I thought of right when I hit this point, had it written out, and it's, uh, we sing like we respect the greatness of God, right? How great is our God? Sing with me, how great. Have you ever sung that song? And, all those, and people are like, man, singing it. I mean, we sing like it, but do we live it? attitude. It's hard. 
you know what? You've got to lay yourself down. You're once down. You, it's Like I said, selfishness rides up, and it wants to rule in your life every day of your life. You've got to fight against it and go, I'm not great. God's great. God, let's lift him up. Verse 7 says this, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a, a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Step one, to have the right attitude, respect the greatness of God. Step two, become a servant. Hmm, become a servant. You know, the, the word there, the Greek word that you see in the text for servant is doulos. Everybody say doulos. doulos. Y'all know Greek now. I mean, y'all are like experts in doulos. And that means bond ser- ser- servant. And this is the lowest of the low of a servant. A bond servant for their entire life never owns anything. Nothing. Interesting. He refers to to uh, to Jesus being taken the form of a servant. This is Jesus who rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He had his last supper in a borrowed room. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Man, and then and then we see. John chapter 13, you've heard the story. Hang with me. You've heard the story that Jesus gets up from the table, his last meal with the disciples, and he takes off his outer robe, and he takes a servant's towel, and he ties it around his waist. And it says that he begins to go and get some water in a bowl, and he kneels down and begins to, hey, right here. I'm not done yet. He begins to wash their feet. And you go, oh, okay, well, that's nice. That was really nice of him. I want you to understand that according to Jewish law of the day, no Hebrew, even a Hebrew slave, could be commanded to wash somebody's feet because their feet were nasty, nasty. They, they walked on the roads, their sandals, they wore those chacos but they weren't they were named something else at the time and their feet were just gotten grimy and they're walking in the streets and they're walking uh, among the sewage and that's crap poop and it's just getting all over them and jesus just kneels down and begins to wash their feet boy a rabbi hebrew even a slave isn't supposed to do this, and this is what he does. And then he says at the end of, of John 13, he says, If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you, ought, you ought, also ought to wash one another's feet. Attitude of a servant. Do you have the attitude of a servant? Can I tell you all a totally disgusting story? Totally disgusting story. I thought, hmm. I don't know if I can even tell this. I can. It's all right. It's not. It's not that bad. It's pretty bad. I've been doing youth camp for quite a long time, twenties uh, on years, and um, and one thing I love about my youth camps, and it has God has has blessed me with men and women who will come around me and help this camp run. I'm the guy that sort of is in charge and buys the stuff and sets it all up, but I've got so many hands and feet. That give up a week of they may only get two weeks off a year, but they take one week off just to come serve at camp, which just means the world to me. And these people through the years, uh, these people and they're such friends and, and comrades in the faith and par- partners in the faith. They um, they have done some things that were crazy. 
I don't know if you've ever been into a middle school boys dorm before, but if you have at a youth camp, it'll change your life in not a good way. <clears throat> at this camp, before this church, my last church, so don't be like point fingers, I think it was you. Uh, at this camp, uh, one of the to- to- toilets got clogged. Oh, uh, yeah, clogged. And so, uh, and for two days, the middle school boys didn't tell anybody. And they kept using the toilet for number two. One of the guys that was there at the camp was a man that would take a week off, had been in my camps for five or six years. And um, he had walked in, he found it, and said it was like overflowing the, t- the tub. It was, it was like, how could they even do this? This is like the sickest thing I've ever seen in my life. What's amazing in the story is he never got me and told me about it. This guy went and got a bucket and some gloves. <laughs> and he cleaned it out without telling anybody. This guy who owned a business and was pretty high up and had a lot of guys that worked for him, got on his hands and knees and he, and he cleaned this thing up because he knew someone had to do it. Now, I'm not saying, hey, hey, listen, did he have the attitude of Christ there? Dude, praise God for him. I was thinking of him for like four months when I found out about it. You know, I want to take him out to eat. And man, you saved me from that because I would have. But he said he gagged the whole way through it. <laughs> Which you've got to be human. He was human. So you're going to have to gag. Servant. Now, I'm not saying God's going to call you to do that. Hey, but he might, and he might even call you to do something, something worse. Yeah, to help, to serve, to love someone who can't be loved. You know, one of the, the, the craziest things back when I was, and this is, this is free, um, all of it's free. Anyways. Uh, I was in Africa for a mission trip, and uh, there was a guy there in this church of about eight people, and this guy had lip. Lep, 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 leprosy, hands were gone, sores, uh, and he was praising God in a way I'd never seen a man praise God before. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Uh, and I wanted to to just say hi to him or talk to him, but I was, sort of, I was scared, and I didn't. I thought, oh, it's an opportunity just to be a servant, just to do something that could be scary. But I had folks around me that could make sure it was going to be okay. Sometimes you're going to have opportunities to be a servant, to love people that aren't loved. Man, be a servant. Verse 8, let's keep going. And being found in human form, it says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As you know, or at least I hope you know by now, I stutter. Don't freak out. It's, you're like, that's what that was. I thought something was wrong with the speakers. Um. And I am, as in my nature, a confident person to a fault. I'm overly confident in myself and the abilities and the way that I think. I think my plan is going to be the best. And it's just sort of something that I've just tried to work through. I'm just laying, laying myself out there so you understand the way I think. Some of you who know me are going, uh-huh, yeah, I've seen that. And uh, you know what's interesting is... Um, Sometimes I'm just thinking, really, like I'm all that in a bag of chips. And 
uh, whatever that means. I don't know what, I don't chips are okay, but they're not that great. Okay, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that in the back. Um, but sometimes when I, I'm just having one of those days where I'm just feeling like I've got it, and then I go to just say my name in front of someone, and I can't say my stinking name. I'm like, you know, John, you know, I'll say something else just to get it out. Or if you get, when you stutter, you get stuck on the word and or the, you're toast, man. You're not going to be able to say any sentences much, right? And when I get stuck on those things, immediately I am humbled like nobody's business. Man, I'm thinking, I'm like, I got it. And I'm like, but for me, it's, it, it's, a, it's something God has used in my life to help keep me in check. So if that's what it takes to keep me in check, and if this is what it takes to help draw me close to him, then may it never leave me. And I, I hate it, but I love him more than I hate it. You know, we, we have these things. It says, you know, point, point one, what was the, the first point? Do you all remember? What, what was it? Respect the greatness of God. Very good. And two, two is what? I like the fact you're, you're writing it down. Become a servant. Point three is humble, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Now, I want you to understand, in my story, I did not humble myself. I am being humbled by my condition, my stutter. That's not me humbling myself. That's God humbling me and allowing me to be hum- humble. Almost all the time around you, you will see people humbled, someone caught in sin, especially sort of in the church, and the church can sometimes not deal with it the right way and can put them down or just rock, rock them. You can see them humbled. Why? Because they were, they, were, they were caught in sin. Or you see some people that are humbled, not because of sin, but just because of difficulties of life. Can I tell you, sometimes life is just mean. Sometimes things that are out of your control completely can sort of wreck you and we're hum, hum, humbled. But rarely will you come across a man who humbles himself. We're humbled by a lot of things, but how often do we humble ourselves? And, 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 and Jesus did not only show humility as he humbled himself before God. He humbled himself before men. The the word there means that he laid as low as he could get. So for the men around him, he humbled himself. As he was going to the cross, as they beat him, as they put the crown of thorns on his head, as they mocked him, as they spit on him, what did he do? Did he swing? Huh? Did he lose his head? Did did, Did he say, Dude, my father's going to take you guys out. No, no, he didn't. What did he do? He humbled himself. Man, have you ever had someone talk bad about you? Boy, that makes that can drive you up a wall. Have you thought maybe God is calling you not to respond back to it, but to humble yourself? Ooh, Pastor Dan, you're starting to step on my toes right now. We need to change this subject. This is hitting too close to home attitude of Christ. If Christ has changed our life, if we've been transformed by Christ, respect the greatness of God. Right? Become a, ser- a, ser- a, ser- a servant. Humble yourself. And then it goes in this. Look here at verse uh, 
Oh, wait, you know what? What I thought was beautiful. There's, let me just share this verse. I think it's on here. Is Luke 23 there? Tristan? Look at this verse in Luke 23 on the screen. It says this, And when they came to that place, the place that is called the skull, there they cru- 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 crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you know that humbling yourself, one of the greatest ways that you can do it is extending forgiveness where it's not even deserved? The world will say it's not deserved. But in truth, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've received forgiveness you did not deserve or earn. And if we can't take what he's given us and extend it out, who are we? Right? Right? Okay. Just make sure y'all are awake. Verse 8, and it says, once again, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Point number four, total obedience. Total obedience. You know what? One of those beautiful things uh, we, we, we read about, uh, about Jesus that in the book of Luke, verse 22, uh, chapter 22, verse 39, it says this. We sort of get to see into the mind and the feelings, what Jesus was feeling before he was crucified on the cross. And this is what he says. He says, and he came out and went as, as his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know, in that moment, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. It's saying, hey, if, if you can, God, I don't want to go on the cross. I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to die that way. But if it's your will and if it's what I've got to do, I'm going to do it. Total obedience. What a beautiful picture. He knew it was going to cost. You know, for a Jew... Being hung on the on a tree was was one of the most disgraceful things that you could the ways that you could die and that they would not even allow you you were it's so disgraceful that you could not stay on it overnight they want to put your body in the ground because you didn't deserve to have your body even up on the earth if you were hung on a tree and killed and he knew that was coming and he said God I really don't want to do this but if this is what it takes I'll do it. Beautiful picture, total obedience. And do you see this now? These build on each other. Step one, respect the greatness of God. You're never going to get anywhere in your Christian walk unless you begin to respect the greatness of God. You understand who God is and who you are. Then what's next? Well, I become a a servant. Like Jesus was, that's what I become. Not only that, but I humble myself low as I've got to go for Christ to be glorified and for other people to know him. You know that when we are a servant and we humble ourselves, a world that is caught up in themselves takes note because it's so rare to see. It is so rare. They're like, whoa, what in the world is going on there? It, it doesn't make sense to them. And because it doesn't make sense, it is going to draw them to 
God, and then God begins to work, and it's just a beautiful thing. Once we humble ourselves, then we are going to be totally obedient. That is the attitude that we're called to have. You know, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis that I just think is a beautiful quote, and it says this. It says, in the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being. He comes down into time and space, down into humanity. But he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world up with him. Dude, that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. He came as a servant, humbled himself, total obedience. Why? To bring the lost world up to him, to those who believe in him. Verse 9 says this as we wrap it up. They're just, just we're about done. I just want you to hear what, it's, what, what Paul writes, he says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He who respected God, who was a servant, who humbled himself, was totally obedient even to the point of death, God says, Man, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. You know what? That doesn't mean every knee of those who believe in him. It means that one day every knee is going to bow, whether they choose to kneel or whether they're forced to kneel because they can't stand in his presence. Man, I want you to be the ones that when you see him coming, that you are worshiping him with everything that you have. But attitude, your your attitude is so important. If we don't get that right, Everything else is sort of going to be a wreck. We can do do the right stuff, man. We can, well, yeah. I, I'm doing the right. I'm getting the, the stuff checked off. But if we just do the right stuff, with the attitude being wrong, we miss out on what God has in store for us. Let's pray together, dear God. I thank you so much for this this group tonight. I thank you so much for your word, God. I just want us to have the attitude of Jesus Christ. God, may we respect you, and may we fear you, and may we understand how great you are. God, may we be servants. May we take our wants and and desires and lay them down. And may we pick up yours and the needs of others and lift them up. God, help us to humble ourselves no matter what the cost. And God, help us just to be obedient to you in our attitudes and our actions. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.